What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, man? Wait a little bit and then get some people in the room. Yeah, per usual. Wait just a little bit. That'll work. (laughs) Classified. Can't believe he called in classified the whole movie. Man. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. So that was that was a that that was a pretty pretty rough start. You know, starting eleven zero on the road in a in a game that, in my opinion, you know, those were big wins against Ohio State and Illinois. But you would almost rather split those two and beat Maryland and Indiana just to put yourselves above them recently especially when it comes to the committee um but start of the game 11-0 uh was a really hard way to get going on a on the road against the team who's still fighting for a tournament berth yeah i mean the start was horrendous right they they got off to an absolute ugly start and i just think uh you know it's hard for me to say yeah, – there's no excuses, right? The margin for error at this point is like zero, close to zero. They got to beat Indiana. I think it's going to be really, really tough to be able to beat Michigan even once, to be honest with you. So you figure you probably got to win one game at the very least in the Big Ten tournament, and then you're still probably sweating it out a little bit. Um, but they just came into this game, and I don't think we can – you know, overstate the fact that Maryland got a full week of prep and Mark Turgeon did a really, really nice job this game. His game plan coming into this and the execution for, you know, the roster that he has was really good. They forced Michigan State into a perimeter jump shooting team. Um, They're not a jump jump shooting team. You know, they finished eight for 28 from beyond the arc. Uh, Langford and Henry both looked just like they didn't have their legs under them. They finished seven for 29. And when you're two best guys uh, for a team that really isn't offensively inclined, shoot that poorly, uh, you're going to lose. You're going to lose games. And I thought Maryland really executed well. I'll give them credit for that. But four games in eight days, I think, really caught up to Michigan State. And the scheduling just didn't really give them a break here. Maryland was prepared for this. And they punched us in the mouth early. And Michigan State really couldn't ever climb back out of that huge hole that they, they put themselves in. Yeah, I, I thought that – I thought Michigan State was going to win this game. I thought – I saw that they were like a two- or three-point dog. And, then, and you know, I thought, hey, if you go money line, like that's safe money in my opinion. You have a team who's, you know, gelling right. They got all their guys right. They've been scoring 70 70- Plus, and I think if you score seventy plus against Maryland, you're probably going to win, right? Um, but 
after the first play, I was like, okay, Maryland is Maryland's ready. The first yeah. play, they had Dante Scott running off of pin downs like he was J.J. Reddick just <laughs> to troll Julius Marble. I'm like, Mark Terzian, you're such, you're such a troll. You're such a troll. Like, he came off one, they came off another one, came off another one, and then Julius Marble, like, just, like, takes him out. You know, like, you're like, no what? I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Sit down right now. Um, but they just came out, and uh, I thought that Maryland had a really good – bless you. I thought Maryland had a really, really good game plan. Uh, I think I think more so uh, played Henry – pretty well especially in that first half they just bottled them up and I think what we saw is some of the issue that we've seen from this team for most of the year is there's not a whole lot of dudes that are capable of creating opportunities off of the dribble and so what Maryland did is they just shrank the shit out of the paint they packed everybody in they said we're going to give you some of those longer twos in the perimeter jump shots we don't think you can hit them and they didn't I mean that's basically what happened like outside of Hogard who really kind of like you know revived the offense the first little stint and he's got to be better about decision making you know he only played 11 minutes tonight um you know the first of which he generated the first seven points for this team he had a slash he had the slash into the paint and dish to Henry that was the first two then he went and got himself a two and then he drove and kicked it to Henry, who then kicked it out for the Hauser three. So I'd credit that for him too. Like he generated a lot of the points in some of what was done. But when you're in this type of game and every possession matters, you're like, I'll have to look and see exactly what his percentage is. But he's shooting like 20% from three in the year. He hasn't taken a ton of shots from beyond the arc. I don't think he's taken more than 15. But like he's shooting 20 or 25% from the arc. You can't take that shot. That's the, that's the shot they want you to take. And Izzo's kind of been trying to pound that in his head the last couple of games, and he's taken some bad shots, and that's what's cost him there. But they need a guy to be able to create some space on this. And he was able to do it for a stretch, but then some of his decision-making, um, you know, led him to the bench. But overall, you know, just they didn't get anything out. Wallace had that quick five points in the second half, and he picks up his third foul, and he doesn't play much. He comes back in. But both of them were, I thought, pretty abysmal on both sides of the floor um a couple great spots on offense they both got just absolutely roasted defensively the whole game and that's one of the large problems with this team just generally right there's been really inconsistent point guard play throughout the entire season in a game like this when you need to rely on somebody kind of set some stuff off and make sure that we're getting good looks on it nobody was able to do that really for this team and, and they were forced to kind of do a point guard by committee with Langford and Henry. And that was a huge problem, I think. Right. And then you have, you know, a situation where, you know, like Maryland plays, you know, big guards. You have Ayala, who's on 6'4". You have uh, Wiggins, who's, you know, 6'5", 6'6". Marcel's about 6'5". They are big and long on the perimeter. And they're not skinny big. They're like, like these dudes are like 200. You know, these, and I think that's, that's what kind of uh, that's what kind of you know, didn't like stop Henry, I'll say, but but contained him to the point where he couldn't put Michigan State on his back and will them to a win in in really important spots. 
Um, How did Rocket do in that first half? Because I feel like I feel like the Michigan State offense was really stagnant, and then especially especially like the first like six minutes, stagnant offense. Like they did not get within fifteen feet of the basket. I feel like um, like more than like twice. And then they're like having to shoot these contested jumpers from like twenty five feet. Um, how was Rocket in the first half? He wasn't good. Yeah, I think that he's had some issues with just becoming a little bit of a ball stopper. You know, the ball's moving around the perimeter and then it stops because he wants to shimmy and shake for ten seconds and then he didn't go anywhere and the ball kept moving. Um, he did a he did a better job, I think, in the second half. But the first half, you know, a large part of the offensive stagnation ended up being to some degree him, right? I think that's what you saw the difference. Hogard came in and immediately there was, there was dribble penetration that started opening up some of the lanes for everybody else. Um, so I don't know what to make of him. I really, I really don't know what to say because he had a really good game two games ago. He didn't play very well against Ohio state. And he again, kind of just disappeared for very long stretches this game. So, you know, the, the ceiling of this team for Michigan State is limited by the point guard position. And for them to be able to win against some of these bubbly teams, against some of these teams that are a little bit higher class in the conference, you have to get some type of consistency out of that position. And they haven't been able to really do that. I thought they were pretty lucky for how bad the point guard position play was, you know, against Ohio State. I thought Hogard played pretty well again, but I don't think Watts played well at all. Um, they really had to claw their way out. And I thought we saw some signs of them just being like physically exhausted, not being able to get their legs under them for some shots that game. And then today it just really came like full fledged. They just looked like they were stuck in mud for that first, you know, like 10 minutes. And they weren't really ever able to get themselves out of that position, unfortunately. Yeah, when is their next game? Tuesday, man. That's the thing. Right they don't away. get. Jesus, man. Tuesday at home against Indiana, then we play you guys Thursday, and then we play Sunday. So, you know. No breaks. No breaks. And that's, you know, that's the problem, right? You win that Purdue game at home, or you maybe fight off Iowa on the road that one time and win it, and you have a little bit of a margin for error. Um, It's just they've dug them such a a huge hole, and today was almost like a metaphor for what the season has been, right? Like now they're like trying to climb themselves out of this massive grave that they dug themselves. And they did the same thing this game, get down 11-0, and then they had to fight to climb the mountain the whole game. Got within, I want to say like one point in time. I think they got to six. There there was a point that was a huge fucking swinger. It was like around maybe 10 minutes, nine, nine, 10 minutes, something like that. Um, They were within seven. Henry takes a really aggressive take to the rim, which he hadn't done a 10 of. He got into the jump stop, did a great move in traffic, got sandwiched between two guys. I went back and watched the replay because I was like, how the fuck did he not get that call? I thought he got hammered. I mean, I'll watch it again and I'll slow it down, but I thought it was a huge miss, no call. They went down for a layup on the other end. I think it ended up ballooning out to 11. And like you said, they ended up getting it like to six. I think it was maybe six, five or six at some point again in that game. But I thought it was just a massive momentum swing on that. And you can't blame the refs, but – there's a couple times there where they just like so close to getting over the hump and then have a couple bad offensive possessions that led to easy buckets for Maryland the other way. And that kind of was just the story for the game. Yeah. And um, if you guys who are in the chat who are talking about 
Lenardi and don't use Lenardi. He's terrible. Don't use Jerry Palm. He's terrible. Go on the bracket matrix and look up the rankings of the different bracketologists. Um, the number one and the number three bracketologists had Michigan. One of them had Michigan State in at eleven before this game. This was yesterday. Had them in at eleven, so that's like the first four by, I believe. And then the other one had them in as last four in playing in Dayton. Um, so they had the play-in game. And, uh, you know, losing by 18 to a team who is – I'm not sure if – They're on the right would, side of the bubble. I think that – I mean, he had them at a nine seed or whatever. They showed Lenardi or Jerry Palm or whatever. I haven't looked right. at the matrix to see what – Maryland is slotted, but I think that they are, they were comfortably on the right side of the bubble. This loss yeah. made a, if, if they had lost to Michigan state, I think they maybe would have moved a little bit closer to living a little dangerously. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I think that this, I mean, this, they played a solid game. I was, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Maryland basketball, but they played really solid. And I think that what you saw is just like a group of connected dudes who all know what the role is, right? It's yeah. they take the highest volume of three-point shots in the conference. I think 44% of their shots come from beyond the arc. They hit a lot of those tonight. They're, they were the 11th best free-throw shooting team in the conference. They shoot under 70% coming into this game. They shot 96%, 23 from 24. I mean, what, that's the recipe to being able to come out with a win in, in a close game against another bubbly team. You make plays down the stretch, you get defensive stops, and, and you make your free throws and you make your upward and jump shots that you have. And Michigan State didn't do that tonight. And uh, credit Maryland that they did it to, you know, about as best as they could possibly do it. So so here's what here's what Maryland did. You know, they were very meh to, like, kind of, like, start out. But um, their, their front court is probably the worst in the conference. I would take Penn State's. I would take – um, I would take Northwestern over them as well too. Like their their front court sucks. Like their five spot, the worst in the league, and it's not very close. That Chol Marial guy and that Gavin Smith dude. I don't think Chol played today. I don't think yeah, he played a minute. Really bad. Really yeah. really bad. So they so Turgeon was like, why the f am I starting you guys? So that so what they did was slid. Dante Scott, who was the four, slid him to yep. the five. Um, and then they had one of their longer perimeter wings, who was basically a six starter, um, come in and play that three, four spot. Um, something that I thought Michigan State should have done a long time ago, whether that was with Malik Hall or whether that was, you know, Hauser being tougher. But, um, you know, they went, they went to a smaller lineup, and that's pretty much – changed the way that they've played yeah and it was smart and obviously Michigan State has finally adapted to that I thought actually Malik Hall had a pretty nice game he finished you know seven points he played 23 minutes he's I think he played a total of 15 in the last three games combined so it was a big jump for him it was a it was a reasonably good matchup for him to be able to come in and play um but I'm with you I I think that what you saw is just you know, they've got five, six, seven dudes that are between six, five and six, eight and makes them extremely switchable defensively. Like you said, all of them are extremely stocky. Um, They're physical players. And again, they just, 
they they packed in the paint. They did not give open driving lanes, and they made Michigan State into a jump shooting team. And four games in eight days, their legs looked fucking dead, and they didn't shoot well. They didn't, and they're not. They haven't shot well most of the season, but in particular tonight, I just even the shots when they went up, I didn't think looked very good. Yeah, too uh, much late, late shot clock. Like you know, like how many times did they have the ball? Five seconds left. There was almost no ball movement, and then it's just a dude like standing, taking three dribbles and firing a three. Like yeah, that must have happened eight or nine times that game ugly ugly stuff and they're on what one day one day prep or two day prep one yeah, two day prep. they played thursday so i mean two day two day prep and you're coming off of an emotional game um that's why i thought the indiana game for us was that you know we were gonna see you know truly who um like like see where their head is and how strong they are mentally you know, you just beat two top ten teams, and you're you know you just had a huge emotional game, and you go on the road to Indiana play at noon on a Saturday, yeah. Um, and then like you come out and take care of business, it, like like makes you feel good. You know what I mean? Um, I think Michigan State had that similar thing where they just had two top five wins, um, and then they're coming off of that. But the only the the main difference is Indiana had. One more day to prep than Michigan. Uh, Maryland hasn't played in what six days. Yeah, I think that they last played. I want to say maybe it was Saturday or last Sunday or something. They had a full week off. Yeah, I mean that, yeah. that's just basically. So come- they watched all these games. They've right. been able to watch what two games. Yes, and two- they probably watched them as a team too. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Turgeon's, you know, a consistently, like, top four or five coach in the conference. You know, he had some of those teams with uh, – uh, who was that point guard? Melo Trimble. Like, that year they should have been better than what they were. Like, he's had a couple of years where he ha- he's had some talent. I think he's underachieved with it. Uh, but this year, given what they lost in Cowan and Smith and what he's kind of grouped together and their ability to have gone on the road and won a lot of big games and – this one in particular, this was a kind of a closeout game to kind of ensure that you're going to put yourself in a position to be in the tournament. Um, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And he clearly had a very uh, good game plan. They doubled the post every time he got in, which I thought was a little bit weird um, just because, you know, Michigan State doesn't really have a post presence, but they continue to do that on Henry. He wasn't able to kind of get onto the block and get himself some maybe easy buckets to get going. I think he only had one down there where he like went quick and got uh, like a quick two early. And they just, they just did a really, really nice job of scouting all of the players and Michigan state was going to have to hit some shots to be able to loosen the middle of that defense. They weren't able to do it. And as a result, you know, the possessions kept getting limited. They played the 13th out of the 14th um, tempo in the conference and they just minimized the possessions got good shots, hit the shots that they took, and Michigan State wasn't able to do the same. So um, really, really credit him for being able to just come through with a game plan and then execute like they did. But again, like having the week prep in this situation where Michigan State's coming off their fourth game in eight days, um, that that's the problem, that you put yourself in this position and now, you know, you get like a day-ish off, you fly home tonight, and then tomorrow you got to prep again for them. Tuesday you got a game, and then, you know, you're playing arguably the best team in the country and – twice in four days so you got to win Tuesday I think it starts there I I don't think that they can split with Michigan I'll be honest I think Michigan's in a class of their own right now in the conference it'll be interesting to see the adjustments I could see the game on Thursday 
getting away from Michigan State a little bit and being, you know, a 15, 20 point loss and then maybe coming back and they grind a little bit harder at home on Sunday. But I think, you know, you're probably climbing an uphill battle. I just think like roster construction wise, we're speaking purely from a talent standpoint. I I just think Michigan is significantly better. You know, I, I would say there's probably three or four teams that have better roster construction consistently than than Michigan State does. So you really would have to put together a complete game, a pretty errorless game to be able to even be within, you know, six, six, seven points coming down the crunch time stretch. And I, I just don't know if this team has enough firepower to be able to stick with Michigan for 40 minutes. I really don't think so. Yeah. Tough part is, um, you know, how, you know, Michigan is really good defensively and, and they know where the offense generates. So, if anything, I think that this Maryland game was an eye-opener for Michigan State and Aaron Henry. They're like, okay, this is how teams are going to guard you. This is going to be how we are going to uh, counter it. And, hey, here are some other ways that they're going to you know, try to shut you down. And then, and then he's going to have to challenge the other guys around him to say, hey, look, do you not want another Maryland game? Hey, well, step up. You know, play like you have a full-ride scholarship. And someone has, someone has to be Robin. You know what I mean. You can't, you can't just trust Henry to always bail you out. And uh, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, what happened today um, because they, they, they did such a great job at containing Henry. You know, and if Henry loves film, you know he's gonna watch, watch, watch this, and he's gonna talk to people. Not just the staff on, hey, hey, how do I counter this? Because I haven't really had this in college because the last three years you've been with Cassius. Now, this is what your, your, your first few games where you're really the guy, the guy. Like, not just the guy, but you are, you are Michigan State, right? And the team wins and loses based on how you play. I agree with you. I I think that there is something to be taken away uh, that Maryland certainly laid a little bit of a blueprint to find a way to perhaps bottle up some of what Michigan state wants to do. I don't think it's always replicable because the personnel has to be right. You have to have some of these kind of, you know, wings forwards in a bunch of different positions to be able to do it. Obviously Michigan that is capable of doing that. Um, but I think that, you know, you have some lessons that can be learned from this game. You have to take a, take that away. And really, it just comes down to winning that first one on Tuesday, right? You got to get that out of the, out of the way. Uh, Indiana is on a downtrend right now. They're pushing themselves further away from the bubble. If you lose to them, um, I mean, I, I, if you lose to them, I think your tournament hopes are basically done. Uh, like I said, I think you're in a very, very tough spot to be able to even expect to split with Michigan. Um, I don't know how many games you'd have to win in the Big Ten tournament if you drop the next four, but I think that you'd be basically done. So it really hinges on beating an Archie Miller team. His seat is warming up by the day. I would be very, very surprised um, if maybe he's even in you know, the head coaching position next year. If they lose – to Michigan State, and they basically end their season and he doesn't make the tournament, I don't know if he has a job again. So you're in a position where he's going to be coaching for basically his livelihood 
and you have to be prepared and you have to come out like somewhat fresh. And I know that's tough to do with how many games you've played in such a short span, but the excuses have to stop. There can't be any more. Uh, stop the bleeding, find a way to win, regroup yourself. And then, like I said, you know, two games in four days for one of the best teams in the entire country, you know, you just got to find a way to maybe muck it up a little bit, get yourself in one of those late and just show that you deserve to be in the tournament, basically. Yeah. Uh, and Dave had some things. Uh, let us see here. He said that he didn't understand Maryland constantly double team guys in the post that have shown zero ability to score consistently down low all season. Hey, Dave, you know, like some, sometimes if you've been doing something when, when you've like changed lineups and you're just playing a certain way, they're not going to, they're not going to change it. And what double teaming also does is that makes these guys have zero ability to, to score. They now are not only not like not able to score, but Hey, can you make a good pass out of this or will it get deflected? Will, will it get stolen? So it, it gives them a different look as well, too, because they haven't been doubled all year long. So, hey, what if we just keep doing what we're doing by double-teaming these guys who aren't used to double-teams? And, um, and that, and that kind of worked. Um, but Dave also said something. He was talking about, uh, you know, like the you know games, you know, losing to a top 26 Kempom team and top 32 and ET team does not push them way off the bubble. It's Dave, it's not the fact that you lost. It's the fact that you lost by 18. Like, if you lose this game by two or three points, like, it doesn't really move the metric much on the road. But it's another blowout loss. And it's it's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a shame if if that's what keeps you out. I remember when we were on the bubble, um, we were in the bubble back in two, 2009. This is a beeline story for you. So we had just beaten Iowa, right? And after the game, this was during the Big Ten tournament. After the Iowa game, beeline felt so secure about us being in the tournament. In the post game, he doesn't even talk about the win. He goes, welcome to the Big Ten. No, welcome to the NCAA tournament. And we all lose our minds and we're giving dabs and all that, and then we refocus on our next opponent, which was Illinois. Illinois was busting our ass. Like, we were we were down by, like, 19, 20, like, we were getting destroyed in the second half. Beeline calls a timeout, or it's, like, an under 12 or something. In the huddle, he didn't say anything about X's and O's. He didn't say anything about who to guard. You know what he talked about? He said, the committee's watching this game. You got to get this game closer. Because if you get blown out here, that could jeopardize a lot of things. We were able to get that down to like a two-possession game and lose. And we were we we were a 10 seed. So these blowouts matter. Like, people are trying to, like, like brush them off. Like, losing by a couple possessions and losing by 15 points or more or 10-plus points or more, like, that does a lot to the analytics. So, this game today, if you lose it close on the road, it's really not 
that damaging, even though it's a loss and it doesn't help, but it doesn't hurt that much. But losing that much by almost 20, now it's the now there's an issue. Remember when Michigan back in 2016, I believe, they had beaten four top 25 teams, right? But when they lost, like they were getting blown out, blown out. But they had four top 25 wins. They were a, they were like they were a last four team. They had to play like Tulane or Tulsa in Dayton that year for the playing eleven seed. So it does matter. It matters one hundred percent. So please stop saying that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, there's just too many blowout losses. We talked about this, I don't know how many days ago in whatever locker room, but, I mean, they got blown out by Iowa at home. It was the worst loss in, I think, the Izzo era at home. They got blown out by Rutgers. Obviously, they were coming off the COVID there, but still there's no real excuse for that. I mean, double-digit loss to Northwestern. There's just too many bad losses during the course of the year to then be able to just shrug off another one like this. And, I don't know. End of the day, you know, what do they need to get in the tournament? I know that's kind of the question that everybody wants to ask. It obviously starts, you have to beat Indiana. Yeah. I think the fact that the conference has been so strong gives you a pretty good position. I, I, if there's one bright spot to be taken, it's mm-hmm. that if Michigan State can kind of lock down that ninth spot in the conference, then you probably get yourself in, right? Because Minnesota's just like, full on patino like you know dropping off a cliff right now yep not far behind archie miller's on his you know bula bula so you take care of indiana you beat them you're pushing them further down minnesota keeps on this downtrend like i think the conference will get nine times in and you're one of them almost you know defaulted so win at indiana you're probably going to lose those two to Michigan and you've got to win maybe one game, I think, at the tournament. And you're probably still going to be sweating it out a little bit on Selection Sunday, but at least you're going to be in that conversation. And I think that if you look at kind of where the bubble is, you know, nobody has the name recognition really outside of maybe Duke, who is now on the wrong side of it with their loss against Louisville at home. Yep. Um, there, there's just not a whole teams that have the type of pedigree that have the type of success and whatever. And you can we can say whatever we want about, you know, oh, it's the computers and this is what look at. But this is a group of human beings sitting in a room. And Izzo has proven over and over and over again the ability to win as an underseed. Like, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. So, right. you know, you're going to have to be watching the rest of the bubble teams. you got to beat Indiana. You probably have to win one Big Ten tournament. And then, you know, you're going to be on the bubble-ish talk. And if you're there, you're probably getting in. But this is this is not going to be a very comfortable end of the season for Michigan State. I mean, Tuesday, I'm already getting like indigestion thinking about it. I'm going to have the Pepto right by my side on that the whole time. That or a bottle of booze. I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Also, to think about, I mean, would you rather be an 11 seed in the Big Ten tournament so you do get an extra game to win, or would you be okay with a 10 seed and now you have to? And now you have that like first round bye. Because I believe 11 plays 14, 12 plays 13. And then I uh, believe uh, you have 5, 6, 7. Then there's the 8, 9 game. And then 10 are waiting uh, for the four games on that second day. 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But if you do lose to Indiana, I believe Michigan State will be 11th. Um, and then that, and with that, they'll play Nebraska, Nebraska on that first round. Then they'll play the, I believe the the six. Is that still Wisconsin there, or is, is that the six? Or yeah, I'm looking at the. They'll get the they'll get the double buy because five, six, seven, five, six, seven. I believe it's five, right? Uh, I'm Do they play five. Oh, it says 11, 6, 2, and then the bracket above it is 10, 7, 3. Yeah, right now, right now before this game happened, I'll have to look at the updated standings, but Michigan State was set to play Michigan probably three fucking times again. Oh, I guess nice. Maryland right there. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I think that... I think you probably just got to win. I mean, there's just no excuses. Win on Tuesday. Right. Figure it out. Figure it out from there. You're, you're going to have to win at least one of the games in the Big Ten tournament. And what will that put him at? What's the total record then? Because, like, Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana are, like, all jumbled around that 9-10-11 spot. Or 8-9-10 spot. I'm not sure. Eight, nine, ten, or nine, ten, and eleven. They're like all around there. Thirteen and ten and seven and ten in the Big Ten right now. Is that right? Yeah, seven and seven and ten because they have seventeen games in. They have Indiana, then Michigan twice here. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be you're going to be sweating it one way or the other. I think with this loss, unfortunately. So take care of Indiana. Beat them Tuesday, and then however the chips fall, you got to win at least the first game in the Big Ten tournament, probably, and and then maybe you're putting yourself in. So yeah. I don't know. It's exhausting. I feel like it's been an exhausting season for Michigan State fans. I'm just like I'm. I'm sure the team is as well, but I'm just emotionally spent with having to go through this whole process. You know, it was yeah. one thing I thought they were dead. We left them for dead like two weeks ago, and just I had committed myself mentally and emotionally that it was over. And then they raise themselves out back to the ashes, and then now they're, you know, flirting with disaster again. So I, I just don't know. I, I hope that this team has enough left in them to be able to take care of business Tuesday, make it at least one of the two games against Michigan a game, and put themselves in a position to be able to make the tournament. So I think at this point it's just a win. If you find somehow some way to be able to claw yourself from where they came from and, and get into the tournament, I think that's a huge program win at this point which is obviously not the standard at Michigan State. But this year in this type of season with everything that's happened, you just you would be happy to be in. Oh, for sure. Um, we'll see, though. We'll see, though. Let's, let's go. What's up, Lee? Hey, and I uh, just wanted to make a quick point. Um, I don't know if you remember a few games ago uh, when Illinois was up by 30 and uh, Io uh, went in for that layup. Do you remember that? Yep. Okay, so this goes to the point of uh, uh, like the the victory margin that you were just talking about. I believe, uh, if I heard correctly, that moved, moved their their opponent from a quad, like I believe two or one, like it moved them in the net rankings because of that bucket. 
and like that changed like some things like when it comes to the ranking so like you were saying like every basket every every point counts towards the metrics. everyone counts so that was against michigan state so michigan state was dribbling out uh up up 11 and yeah. io stole the ball went and laid it in at the buzzer that yep. took it from a max a max Michigan State win to a nine point Michigan State win. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. So yeah. I just wanted I just wanted to mention that just to show people that just something as simple as that can change things drastically. Well, not really drastically, something for something like that, but like that would that would impact like the net ratings. Uh but with like KPI and Ken Palm who don't look at the don't look at the max wins like that. Um, that doesn't affect them as much. And they do consider that. But my biggest thing is if they're taking all these things into consideration, you know, one layup for the net can put you like – A few spots, yeah. Yeah, like 51 is way better than 49. For no, no, sure. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. 49 is way better than 51. Yeah, You know what I mean? And just because of one number – you know, and you know these things. When when you get into the nitty gritty, uh, there's not much separating one team from the next, and and that could be just you know you know one layup, being able to go from a max win to just a nine point loss, you no know, to a nine point win. Yep, and also some some coaches go to their their uh, like their like when the game's out of control, like. For example, Jawan, like he goes to his like end of the bench guys, like with three minutes to go, instead of like waiting until one minute. Recently, you know I mean? that so hasn't been, been makes... a thing. He's been waiting a long time. Yeah, but yeah. I'm saying earlier in this, earlier in the season, I'm like, yo, what is CJ Baird doing up here, uh, like with three minutes to go, right? So, <laughs> but but the thing is though, uh, with Michigan State, uh, I think if they can win on uh, on Tuesday against Indiana. But the key for them will be even if they lose those games to Michigan, like they just can't lose by like thirty points. Like, like they they have to at least try to keep it close. I agree with you on that. I do. Think the margin of victory has to be like, you know, yeah, that it is into the twenties, right? Like it can't be, it can't be like a like a the Iowa part two, like you know, like how they lost by thirty to Iowa. Like yeah. that can't happen again. <laughs> If they just play Michigan well, um, even if they lose, if they play Michigan very, very well, uh, that can still be seen as a as a positive thing, especially when you put into the when you put the human part into it, not the analytical, because they'll be watching those games and they want to see is Michigan deserving of hey, are they going to be the overall one seed? Are they going to be the two? Are they going to be the overall three? Who knows, right? So they're going to be watching these games. And if Michigan State is giving them a, a run for their money, they're going to now take that into consideration when they're looking at seeding, when they're like, okay, Belmont just lost or Mercer just lost in the um, in you know in their conference championship. Are we going to take Belmont, Mercer, or slide Michigan State in there? Let's look at the last several games. Oh, wait a minute. Michigan State. They 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 had to play Michigan back to back and they lost by nine points total. Interesting. And we had Michigan as a as the overall two seed. Oh, and they also beat 
a top five Ohio State team who we have as a two seed in Illinois who's a two seed? Huh. So, so like, that's when the whole human part can, you know, come into it because all these guys are watching all these games. So, for sure, for sure. So I just think I just think it, I just think it's a bad matchup for them because Michigan can do what Maryland did today, but like to an even higher level, like they can throw Franz on Henry and just pack the paint. Like it's it's going to be very hard for Michigan State to score if they're not if they're not getting to like the basket. Just you know, me as a basketball fan, I can't wait to see um, Shandy and Franz. In these last three games against um, against uh, both Henry and um, I, I really hope Dosumu plays, man. I hope Dosumu plays. I, I'm I'm including Dosumo in my nightly prayer tonight because I really want him to play because I I want I, I want all this energy that Illinois is bringing and I just wanna I, I don't want them to be like oh Io didn't play. Uh, some of our guys had diarrhea. Like I don't want no excuses, you know. So I just want everybody to be healthy, play, and like let's let's do it. Hundred percent, man. So, all right, listen, Ann, I'm gonna be outie, my friend. I appreciate you opening the room. I'll talk to you uh, probably on the flip side. I'll probably see you Tuesday at some point. So, for the Spartan fans in here, appreciate it. Go green. Get a dub Tuesday. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, if you were in here last locker room, or if you weren't in here, uh, we talked about Michigan football just getting that transfer quarterback and we just got the commit he's like a four or five star cornerback depending on who you look at or who you talk to but he's a big time cornerback uh, from in-state of Michigan uh that locker room is going to be posted on Michigan State of Mind my podcast and all that fun stuff so go on there and, and, and check it out it'll probably be up later on today or tomorrow um and then we'll kind of uh go from there we'll see what happens we'll see what happens in, uh what games on Tuesday? I should be in here for a preview with um, with an Illinois guy. That's uh, I believe like right before the game. So uh, let's let's be in here and show some support, talk some stuff, um, and I uh, you know hope Dosumu is playing and ready to go. But thank you for anyone who participated or who was in chat. Thanks, Lee, for coming up, and DK as well. But I'll talk to y'all soon, man. Jen, Jen with the ants, always spamming the ants. I love it. Always spamming the ants. Always spamming the ants. Love you for that. All right, you guys. I'll talk to y'all later.